Uh, wow. I mean, let, let's start. Let's let's just start here for a second, hey? Like, let's just go. You know what? What? Is, what's? What's? Um. Yeah. What's? What's real in your spirit this morning? Just as we're here. Just as we, you know, warm up as we worship as we're here in this space in this place like what's what's apparent to you what's what's coming to you through this sink in phase like what's this what's kind of there what are you what are you thinking about what's rattling around what's becoming clear to you what's moving you kick that around we need another mic sorry so our friends can hear Um, I was saying to Ben this morning, I was like, I just can't wait to worship together. It's like my soul just needs to come to the heart of Jesus this morning and just worship him. And yeah, even just like in your song selection this morning, Curtis, I just felt like it was just ministering to my my soul. And yeah, just this idea of extravagant love and yeah, this unconditional love. It's just, yeah, I'm reminded of that this morning. I feel so grateful that that is true of him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been thinking about this idea of trusting God and asking um, if it's true that I really do, I guess. Um, We sing about it all the time, but does my heart really trust him with my life? And um, I was chatting to Ben last night and uh, we we were sort of in a similar place. Like we, we have these moments, we were just talking about these moments where we think, oh, um, this wasn't what I had planned like for life and uh, here I am and, you know, like, um, yeah, there's things in life that you look at and you're like, am, is this, like, how is this good? You know what I mean? Like, is this where I'm supposed to be? And just these, these moments where fear can creep in because, um, you know, although I'm confident that God has brought me to a place where I am where I am because he um, has asked me to be here. It's these moments of fear where it's like, is this right? Like, how can this be right? This wasn't, it doesn't align with my plans. And then, um, yeah, Curtis, um, yeah, just your, uh, like the scripture that you mentioned this morning just was just so perfect. Um, uh, the Psalm, you know, state it for me again. Yeah. The righteous lacks no good thing or something like that. Yeah, it just felt like it just hit me right in the heart just where it it needed to and I'm just really grateful for that. Just a reminder that, um, yeah, as I trust him with everything and give everything up that I'll lack no good thing. That's what I needed this morning. this morning like to be honest probably just a real heaviness mm-hmm. sorry it's okay. Yeah. it's okay but then also at the same time just a real sense of god is still god um yeah, yeah. yeah. and he doesn't change depending on our circumstances yeah. um and he's still who he is and he's still good i think i feel really moved um shared with a few close people that um 
my work colleague Brad, his daughter has a really rare form of brain cancer and um, they recently found like a second tumour in her spine and that's been spreading around her spine and the family's been told to expect um, for her to pass away um, within within the week. Um, and just seeing, I think, Brad and his wife Christy and their faith saying, you know, that they'll worship God no matter the outcome and God's still able, God's still good, even if the outcome's not good. And I think that's just been really stirring in my spirit, you know, to have that kind of faith and that ability to reach out and still trust God even when circumstances aren't good. And I think that's just been speaking to me. So although I feel this heaviness in my spirit and, you know, moved, you know, just thinking, oh, that, you know, I can't even imagine walking through that, you know, what that family's walking through today. But then also, you know, this real spirit of where in my life, you know, do I need to trust God and seeing how they're trusting God in this, you know, what they're walking out in their lives and... Um, even last night, we're just praying for a miracle. Um, Imogen was being transferred from one of the hospitals in Newcastle to Sydney to try um, radiation and the team of doctors told the family to expect that she wouldn't make it with the transfer and she made it with the transfer. So then being able to be like, wow, you know, God's still moving. Um, and he, and I think, you know, that's a result of prayers. And so I think this morning I'm left with that reminder that prayers are so powerful. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it, it, um, yeah, it synchronizes with something that I was reflecting on as we were singing the song, um, Do It Again, you know, like we love when God does it. How good is it, you know, and we can live our life waiting for him to do it again, whatever it is, you know, whatever the it is, and he will, and he does, um, you know, but what about those seasons, what about those moments where, where he isn't doing it? Is he still who he says he is? Can I still trust him? Will I still live as passionately and as faithfully for him as I would in the moment he did it and does it and is it? You know what I mean? And... I feel so challenged in my heart, and I feel like God, these stories are rolling through my head as, as we're worshiping, you know, like the people of Israel who left Egypt, and it's like, God's going to set us free. He's going to make us a nation. He's going to give us the promised land. He's going to do it. He said, you know, with this miraculous release, he got them out of Egypt, and then, you know, there was this season where he just wasn't doing it. Well, he was, yeah. but it wasn't whatever it that they had fixed their minds on, you know. It was like manna was still coming, and the cloud and the fire were still there, and you would have thought, isn't that enough? But it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough to remember who he was. It wasn't enough to hold fast to him. They began to turn their hearts toward other things. I feel like there's a season of faith for the people of God to remember who God is when it doesn't seem like he's doing it. And it's, it's like he still is who he is. He's still going to come through in the way he said he would. He's still going to accomplish his plan. And it's like, you know, we are... Ah, yeah, it's, it's, it's like, you know, when you think about a human relationship and you think about maybe, maybe different ones of us are in different seasons of our relationship, but, you know, when you meet someone new, it's like fireworks, you know, it's like, can't stop thinking about them, I want to talk to them all the time, it's like, this is amazing, and it's like, it's such a euphoric, maybe, maybe I don't know, it's so long ago for me, I can hardly remember it, but, you know, there's this euphoric, 
It is so long ago since I met the, a person for the first time. You want me to be out there meeting people? You want me out there meeting new women? It was a long time ago I met a woman for the first time who I let my heart feel love towards. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Let's say amen to that. Anyway, you know, there's this euphoria to it. And, uh, you know, and, and as you get to know each other, you enter into, you know, seasons of commitment or engagement. You know, it's like it, it turns corners. You get married and different things, you know, and it's like, oh, well, like, you know, what is the, you know, the truer love begins to come to pass in the moments of difficulty, in the moments of struggle. You know, the reality of love is a choice. It's a sacrifice. It's not found in the emotional euphoria. It's found in the dedicated commitment and the true belief in who someone is. And, and it's like, well, it's the same with us with God. Are we just waiting for the elated worship experiences? You know, are we looking for the next place in space that just takes me, you know, it's like, am I, am I looking for the next church or the next environment or the next call or the next purpose or the next ministry or the next thing that's just going to elate me? Or have I found a God who my heart loves and no matter what, I'm going to follow him. Come what may, my life is committed to him for better or for worse, for sickness or in health. This God is my God, and there's nothing that could take me from him because I've become so convinced of who he is, and I feel like it's a season for that kind of love to, to grow and emerge in us. And I feel like uh, not because things are horrible or because things are hard or because God's not doing it or because things are mundane, but because I think God is preparing the heart of his church, the heart of his followers to be committed to him no matter what, no matter what comes. You know, God will prepare his people for the seasons and for the times and for the places. And I think the thing that we need today is a dedicated, heartfelt commitment to God that doesn't expect to see it done today that doesn't ask for, for my faith to be confirmed by the doing it. You're going to do it again. You're good. He is. We'll hold faith to that. And when he's not doing it, don't get discouraged. Remain faithful. Remain committed. Dig in. Dig in. It's like this is, this is the, the path of the people of God that we would be found standing. There's a story. Um, I'll, I'll switch gears in a minute. But there's, this, there's a story that may be familiar to you that's one of the parables that Jesus tells that says the kingdom of God is like a man who came and uh, held a feast. And when it, the time came for the wedding feast, he went out and he invited uh, all of the guests to come. You, you remember this parable? Ringing bells. And people didn't come. They said, oh, I've, Scripture says, I've got business to take care of. I've got things to do. I've got family to attend to. I've got things in my life. And I won't be able to make it. And so the messenger comes back and says, well, the people are too busy. They're not going to come to your feast. They're not going to make the wedding. And he says, we'll just go out, you know, and invite anyone. But tell them they need to be prepared. Tell them to come prepared. And he says, anyone who will come can come. That's like, yes, that's a, that's a story, you know, that reflects, um, you know, uh, Jewish-Gentile invitation into the kingdom of God there there's no question about that but for me the story rings out and goes it says to me on the day of the feast because we know Jesus is coming back for his bride right he's not coming back for me per se I mean he is but he's coming back for his bride and we the collection of believers the church is his bride this is who he loves that when we come together as one and, and he's gathering his people. I, I, not, not, I'm not, it's not like some end times prophecy. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I just feel the gathering of his people 
you know, I feel it. I feel him, I'm feeling pulling his people together. And it's like, I keep, I keep seeing this story and I keep going, Jesus, I want to be there. Because that invitation comes in a moment. You know, like when you think about the way that works, it's like, hey, can you come to the wedding? It's like, oh, shoot. I got big things in my life and I'm not available. It's like, oh, Jesus, I want to be available. I want to be available. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to judge the feast as not cool enough or not good enough. I don't want to look around and go, oh, well, these awesome people aren't going, so I'm not going to go. I don't want to look at the people with, with, that are busy with the incredible things who decided not to go and go, oh, well, I'm not going to end up there either. Do you know what I mean? Like, think about this picture. It's like Jesus had this heart for these people, and they said, we've got stuff, too big of things. we got stuff on, and it's like, well, am I going to look around and go, well, who else is going? It's like, I don't care who's there. That's who I want to be with. I want to be caught up with the people who have said there is nothing greater than God in my life, and I want to be available. And when he calls and says, there's a party that's ready, that's welcoming the Son of God, that's, I want to be there. I want to be there. I want to be there. I want to be there, and I think it's not that easy. Do you know what I mean? Because life is busy, and there are big things, and there are big dreams, and there's big plans, and big commitments, and important stuff. And you know what I mean? There's a lot, isn't there? There's a lot that will pull us from, from the feast. But what is it to live with people with a heart that goes, I just want to be there no matter what, no matter what, no matter what. All right. Yeah. 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 I, f I feel like, um, you know, there's some pretty simple things to say this morning, some pretty sh condensed things. It is hot in here. That thing's on, isn't it? Oh, we got a live one. That's so good, man. That's so good. This is grace, man. <laughs> All right. I feel like, I feel like, um, they're pretty simple and they're pretty familiar thoughts, but it's like I was thinking about um, well the passage the passage I want to look at is in Luke chapter four, verse eighteen. I got the amplified. This is a moment where Jesus has been baptized by John the Baptist, the Holy Spirit's fallen on his life. Uh, he's gone out into the wilderness for 40 days. He's come back. He's been tempted. Um, he's been tempted uh, by the devil to, you know, use his power to, um, for himself, essentially. And then he's, uh, he's traveling around in Galilee, and he's ministering, and then he ends up back in Nazareth, the place that he came from. And he goes to the synagogue on the Sunday, and this is his hometown. These are his people. This is his parents' church. This is where he grew up. And uh, it says, he came to Nazareth, this is verse 16. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and was his custom. He entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, the Messiah, because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to announce the release, the pardon, the forgiveness to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, downtrodden, bruised, crushed by tragedy, and to proclaim the, fav the favorable year of the Lord, the day when salvation and the favor of God abound greatly. He then rolled up the scroll, having stopped in the middle of the verse, and gave it back to the attendant and sat down to teach 
The eyes of all those in the synagogue were attentively fixed on him. He began speaking them to them to today. This scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing and in your presence. It's this powerful moment where Jesus stands up and goes publicly for the first time, this is who I am and this is what I'm anointed to do. It's a, it's a very powerful moment. It's a very powerful moment. And, you know, it's, it's like... Curtis has been talking this week at camp about superpowers. And, uh, you know, here today in this space, in this place, we know that there's, there's really only one source of true power. You know, God's given power to each of our lives. He's released skills, gifts, ability. Things have formed in our lives that are of such worth and, and, and meaning. But what, what does it look like when we when we ask, what has your life been anointed to do? Or, 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 or put it this way, if, like Jesus, you found yourself in your moment of anointing, because in his baptism, the Holy Spirit fell upon him, and he was anointed for this purpose, and he's standing in the synagogue to say, this is what my life has been purposed for. This is what God has anointed, set my life apart for, this one thing. Here it is. You know, and, and it's, it's like, is that just for a special few? You know, it's like, what's it look like to imagine that the God of the universe would set your life apart for a purpose, that he would place his spiritual hands on you and he would say, I have anointed you for this thing. Is, is that, is that? a desirable idea that God would give my life a purpose, that he would set me apart, that there would be a something that my life was meant to do. And, you know, I mean, if you look at the story of Jesus, like, uh, I mean, it's a rough gig. You know, I mean, sometimes I think we think, oh, being anointed, you know, like, well, who, who, who wouldn't want things to go really well for you or you to have such favor with God or you to have such backing by his presence or his power and it's like well you know that can still be a mundane gig you know like a an anointing a setting apart for a purpose it's 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 really about taking our lives and saying i'm available to you i'm available to you what would you do with this life do, do you know what i mean like we we don't get to choose what our life is anointed for. Like, do you have an idea of what you'd like your life to be anointed for? You know, like maybe you like, I don't know, maybe you want to be like the, I don't know, like a, a, worship, a worship leader on the big stage with the lights. Maybe that's what I want, you know? Or maybe I want to, like, be known as a powerful man of wisdom. Or maybe I want to be known as a, a woman of prayer and miracles. Or maybe, you know, whatever it might be. But, you know, we don't get to choose, right? We don't, we don't get to, like, pick. We don't get to go, oh, I love what's on the life of Curtis. I'd really like to be like him. That doesn't result in our life being anointed. Or, or you know, I want to go off to Bible college and I want to become a preacher. That doesn't, like, result in it. Do, do you know what I mean? 
We don't like, oh, I'm going to go get an education so that I be, can be released into a healing ministry. Well, well, that's not really how it works. I mean, yes, that's helpful. I'm not saying like when, when I go to Bible school to become a preacher because God has anointed my life for this purpose and I'm pursuing the purpose of God as I follow God, his spirit is going to take those experiences and he's going to amplify them into my life and they're going to fall upon my gifting and my anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit is going to take those things and he's going to accomplish something incredible for them. But it, it's like we don't have to make a life happen for ourselves. We don't have to conjure up a purpose or find a path. What we need to do is focus our, uh, and I guess for me, oh, I was halfway through a sentence. I stopped. I'll, we'll leave that hanging. But, you know, for me, I think back to, uh, you know, how, how, how would I say, like, you know, would I say my life is anointed for a purpose? I'd say, yes, I'm convinced of it. I'm convinced that God set my life apart for a purpose. And, and I feel like there is this force that's at work within me that propels me towards a God path. And I feel like it's so strong and complicated, I can't get off of it. I, I feel like it, it doesn't matter. I'm, I feel like that's all there is. You know, I feel compelled toward it. And it's not like I don't get distracted or I don't get pulled this way or that. But it's like, it's like no, this is, this is it whatever it looks like or whatever it means, this, this is it. And I think back to where did that start? Where did that start in my life? How did that kick off? It didn't kick off with me going, hey, God, I want a purpose for my life. Could you give me a purpose? It didn't start with like, hey, I've got a really good idea of what I'd like my life to look like. Could we go after this? Like, I had a plan. Like, like proper plans. Like, I was going to become a psychologist. I was going to marry a girl that I'd been dating for two years. Like, I had a plan. I had a life plan. I was on a trajectory. I, like, I was, I was going somewhere. I wasn't looking for a purpose. I'd found a purpose. I had a plan. Like, it, it was, we were headed somewhere. I knew what I was going to do. I wasn't confused. I wasn't lost. I was going somewhere. I was going to continue to serve my church. I was going to continue to do camps. I was going to become a psychologist. I was going to be a good lay person in the church. I had a plan for my life. I knew where I was going to be. I knew where I was going to finish my education. I was three quarters of the way there. You know, this, this was where I was. And then all of a sudden, something twigged in my heart. And I was like, there's something that's not real to me about God. Yeah, I was, I was told this story before, but it was like someone was singing at camp in the, you know, in an outdoor worship chapel. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice to work. And I was like, I don't mean that. I do not mean that. Someone wrote those words. Someone meant that. I know this faith inside and out. I know my Bible. I know the truth of God. I've been raised in this. I am a good kid. I'm not drinking. I'm not swearing. I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm, I am committed to waiting until marriage for all the things you meant to wait for marriage. I was, a, I was, not, a, I was not lost. I was religious. And I heard the words of this song, and I was like, I don't know that I feel that. And it sent me on this trajectory of searching. And I think I, I, I started searching, you know, and there's, there's, it, that's a biblical principle. When you search for God with your whole heart, it's then that he'll be found by you. And it's like, when I think about kicking off 2024, I feel like the greatest goal for this year would be, could be that we would search for God, that he would be found. Now, I'm not just talking about like, hey, why don't you make sure to like take 10 minutes and do your devotional this morning? 
You know, like, that's really good. But it's like, you know, it's like, what if we became such passionate people? What if we became such like sold out people for God that we went, the whole of my heart wants you. There's nothing I want more than you. I want to pursue your purpose. I want to pursue your plan. I want the release that you have, whatever would serve you. And it's like, when you begin to find God, it begins to come upon your life. You know, and so I started searching for him. I started searching. And then it was like, all of a sudden, it's like God started to disrupt my plans. He was like, hey, why don't we drop out of uni and go to Australia and do camps for a year? I was like, what? He's like, well, you're asking. Because I went, well, God, would you demonstrate yourself to me? I want to know you. I want to know the reality of you. I want to know the truth of you. And he said, all right, we'll drop out of uni, send your resume to 10 camps in Australia. And the first one that comes back and says, would you be a program director? Go, like go. And I was like, well, I can send the letters. I got enough faith to send the letters. So I, I wrote 10 letters, put a resume in them, said, hey, this is who I am, this is what I've been doing, sent them off to 10 camps. About maybe, maybe like 12 days later, it was pretty quick, I got a call. Oh, hey, Brad, there's someone from this place called Mill Valley Ranch that wants to speak to you. So I was at the camp office. I was out at this camp for the summer. I was like, oh, shoot. That's a camp calling. I was like, hey, how's, how's it going? Yeah, oh, hey, we got your letter. I would just like to talk to you a bit. Talk to me for 20 minutes. At the end of this, I said, oh, well, we'd like to ask you to come be our program director. And I was like, my heart just sank. I was like, oh, shoot. That was God. I mean, I was like 50% like so elated and like 50% just terrified. And they said, would you like to come and do that? And I was like, I think so. And they were like, well, when could you be here? And I was like, two weeks? They were like, sounds great. You get your flights booked, get the details sorted and come. I was like, I had no desire to travel. I, I, I had no desire to travel. I didn't want to go. I wanted to stay. I, I had no desire to go and do a year of camps. I wanted to finish off my education. I had a plan. I felt like two weeks before that, God had said, I want you to break up with this girl that you've been with for so long. I was like, really? I was like, but I love her. And he said, I know you love her, but I've got a different plan for you. And it was like, I had to make some room for God's anointing in my life. I had to let go of some of my plans. I had to let go of some of the things I was sure life should be about. I had to make some room for the reality of God to come and occupy my space, for him to convince me of who he is. And I think again, I find myself in my life going, God, I want to make some room for you. I want to make sure, like Curtis said, that all the young people don't get all the stories. I don't want the young people to get at the stories. Nah, God's not finished asking me to experience him. God is not finished asking me to take steps of faith that are bold and disruptive. No, I'm not going to live to a plan. I'm going to live to an anointing that says, God, you have called me to a purpose. You have blessed my life with your presence, and I want this life to be outworked for you. That's what I desire, and I'm going to make room again this year for that. Coming into 2024, I'm going to make room to seek and search the heart of God and to make room for his disruption. There's no plan that's, not, that's, that's off limits to you. You come and you outwork the plan and purpose that you've set me apart for, that your purposes would be seen through your people. And it's like, you know what? It starts, it starts with a heart that seeks after God above all else. Like, you know what? Like, if you got time and space in your life for it, two, three, four hours a day, why not? What else you got? 
I, I, I'm not saying that that's, that's realistic in your world or that you need to feel guilty if that's not your deal. But it's like, if, you, if you've got a free afternoon, why don't you go get in the trees, get, get some space and get with God and go, what would you desire? What would you have? Seek him, search him, just to be with him, not to answer your questions, not to solve your problems, just to get a, 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 a love relationship going with him that is so powerful that goes no matter what. And you know what? In that process, God comes and he places his hands on you and he says, I'm going to set this life apart for a purpose for me. Would you receive it? And the power of the Holy Spirit comes and begins to accomplish what only he can, and you get on a path you just cannot get off. I want that. I want that, that continuance of that. But I don't get that and get my way and get my plan and get it by my terms and get it to look like what I want it to look like. And if I'm being straight up honest with you right now, it doesn't really look all that flash hot. It looks a little boring. It looks a little mundane. It looks a little familiar. It looks a little known. And it's like, I don't want this message to rise up in my heart to go, God, I'm bored. Would you excite me again? Come do something again that excites me. No, it's like, God, you've set this life apart for a purpose. And if this serves you, this mundane, this ordinary, this normal thing, then let that be my greatest passion because I'm seeking you. I'm searching for you and I found you and I know you are here. So I'm not going anywhere. I'm not doing anything else. There's no alluring story or plan or I'm not waiting for something to occur. I don't need the elation of a victory. I just need the confidence that I'm in your plan, that I'm where you would have me, that this serves you, that my life is blessed you, that it's an offering to you, that it's a fragrance to you. Yeah. Yeah. I know we talk about this so much and it just feels like, it feels like a, a rerun, but I feel like we need an experience of God again. And it doesn't come through chasing the experience. It just comes through seeking him. It just comes through seeking him. And we can set our minds on a picture of what it should look like or what it should feel like or what it should be like or who it should be with or where it should be. That's unhelpful. That's unhelpful. We just come with open hands to him and say, this is a heart that is ready and open and seeking and searching you. And there's nothing in life. I do not want to be that person who gets so caught up in the relationships of this world, in the business that this world has to offer, in the busyness, in the things where Jesus Christ comes and says, I got a feast for you to attend. Would you come? And I miss it. I want to live a life for the whole of my days that's ready and open and available. Do you know what I mean? That the thing in which he anointed and purposed my days for, no matter how mundane or how ordinary the seasons might come, that I would be found standing in that call and that purpose. Do you know what I mean? Jesus said it. He said, he said this is what I'm here for. And it got rough. It got rugged, right? It got tough. He had to hold on to this. He tried to get out of it. Right? He tried to get out of it. You remember in the garden where he said, hey, please, is there another way? Oh, is there another way? He, he, he didn't like it. It wasn't desirable to him. It wasn't the picture he had for his life. He didn't want it. But he was willing. He served. Yeah. There's a, a verse in 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. We'll park it here. That says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. Just, just wait, like just stop and pause this, not for someone else. 
This is not for another name in the room. This is not for another face who's here. This is not a declaration about someone else's life. This is not about the pastors. This is not about the leaders. This is not about, this is, this is, this is to you, to you. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. You have been set apart, specially gifted, and prepared by the Holy Spirit. And all of you know the truth because he teaches us, illuminates our minds, and guards us from error. Like, this is the truth of the reality of those who follow God, that he would anoint your life for purpose. It's like, well, well what does it look like to be seekers who receive, who, 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 who sense the hands of our God coming upon our lives to say, I have set you apart. And, and, and when that is about pursuing God, it, it doesn't come with a list of things that it looks like or has to be. Like, I'm so off plan. I'm so off script in my life that when I start to come back to my planning capacity, my, my, my own vision for my life, I get terrified. Because I'm like, what are we doing? What are we doing? You know, and it's like, well, th this, this is following this is, this, is, this is the life of uh, setting aside preference that our lives could be his. And I think uh, in kicking off this year, you know, or, or in the stage of life that I see some of our, our crew who are kicking around at the moment, like to take our life, to take our plans, to take our vision, or to take our lack of plans, because some, sometimes, sometimes a lack of plans can be a faithless action too. You know, we can go both ways on this. We can just kind of give up and go, well, there's probably not anything for me, so I'll just see what comes. As it's, it's, you know, when we live open and we live ready and we live expectant, that, that, that the purpose in which God is working in my life is going to work itself through. Now, that's a great disposition to be in, but when we live vacant of that, whether that's with plans or without, it's not a safe place to be. It's not a safe place to be. Yeah. And so, I don't know, in our house, in our home, I feel like we're reimagining the plans and purposes of God. We're re-readying ourselves and re-availing re, uh, ourselves to, to whatever that might look like. You know, and there's a temptation there. When you don't like the story you're in, there's a temptation to avail ourselves to God in hopes that he'll take us somewhere else or do something else. That's not what this is. It's, it's a reconfirming our commitment to him and our availability to the story. Yeah. Well, let's talk about this for a minute in our groups. I know it's a big word, the word anointing. You know, it's a very spiritual term. It's a very... Uh, you know, intense term, I guess, really. And maybe like we feel like steering clear of that or staying away from that is more helpful to us. But let's go straight to it in our question time. And let's just jump into little threes and fours and just have a chat about what do we think this idea of, a, of an anointing for a life looks like? What does it look like for Jesus, for God to come set my life apart for a purpose? Is that, have I believed that has relevance to me? Do I have a sense of that in life? Do I have a desire for that? Let's, let's kind of talk about that idea. What does it look like to imagine myself as um, one having an anointing from the Holy One? As First John says. Cool. All right.